Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we are so excited. I think you're leaving tomorrow? Yep. Tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, heading up to... uh, Toronto. So if you want to support Will, you can t- uh, indicate that on the, on the offering envelope. You can give at the, the kiosk at the, the connection counter. Uh, that would be great anytime between now and when you come back. Yeah. Anytime. Just keep giving to him. That's fine. <laughs> so would you, we're going to send him out with prayer. So if you would just reach your hands out with me. Let's just bless him. Father God, we just thank you so much for Will. Lord, we just thank you for the heart that you have put in him. God, a, a heart that runs hard after you. Lord, and we just pray that you would just bless him as he takes this step of faith, Lord, to go to the school of ministry, God, to receive all that you have for him. Lord, I pray that you would prepare his heart, that you would prepare his mind, that you would prepare his body to receive all that you've got. And Lord, we just bless him and we look forward to seeing what you do in his life over the next coming months. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Thanks so much, Will. Have a great time. Awesome. All right, uh, so next, before I get started, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who came out to the, uh, the church at the camp last week. It was an incredibly fun time. We had a fantastic turnout. Worship was great. The, the brats were great. Thanks, Dan. It was, a, it was a great time, a lot of fun on the zip line. I lost at mini golf, which was disappointing, um, but, you know, and he was like 10 years old, so yeah, he got lucky. And... Um, <laughs> So it, it was great. Uh, a lot of uh, finances came in. Before, uh, before Sunday, we had broken even. We had received back everything that we had given out. And then on Sunday, we had $3,500 more come in uh, for the faith raiser. We were able to get a lot, uh, hear a lot of amazing testimonies. And some of those are, are on video. We'll see those coming out. You can look for Facebook uh, to see that video and some of those testimonies. Uh, coming out in the coming weeks and months. So thank you guys so much for coming out. It was a great, great time. All right, and now we're going to jump into our teaching for today. And so we are going to look at a heart that devises wicked schemes. We've been working through this passage in Proverbs 6, and this is where we're at today, Proverbs 6.18, a heart that devises wicked schemes. And when I read this, this may not come as a surprise to some of you, but I have this immediate thought. The first thought that I come across when I think of, all right, what does it mean to have a a, a heart that devises wicked schemes? I think Voldemort, right? I think, uh, I don't know, now i got to think of some more. Uh, Sauron, uh, Cobra Commander, he's pretty wicked, right? Megatron, Dr. Octopus, (laughs) I don't know. Um, Whatever that witch's name was from Narnia, Laura. She had a real name? She had a real name. We'll ask Laura about that later. But yeah, that white witch that turned everybody into statues. Right? These, in all these TV shows and books and and movies, comic books that we read, we can see what a wicked heart looks like, right? And I say, man, I'm so glad that I'm not a supervillain bent on world destruction or world domination. Right? I'm doing pretty good. 
Okay, or maybe you're more of a realist, right? And you, you stay in the real world. In history class, we, we learn about people who have shown through their actions that they have wicked hearts, right? We see uh, people like Stalin or, or Hitler or uh, Idi Amin or Kim Jong-un, all these people who we say because of their actions, the things that they have perpetrated on other people, they are wicked. And I'm so glad that I'm not like that. But as we, as we learned uh, when uh, Jimmy was teaching on haughty eyes a few weeks ago, and when Cameron was teaching on a lying tongue, the reality is that, that these things that God hates aren't just things that God hates that other people have. Man, there's some of this stuff rolling around inside of us. Right? And, and we can see that there is wickedness in our hearts. Hopefully that's what we're going to see a little bit today. Not in a sad, negative way, but in a healthy way. We see that there's wickedness in our hearts that needs to be recognized, it needs to be brought to the Lord, and it needs to be rooted out. And so that's what we're going to do today. And I think that the prophet Jeremiah was correct. I don't think he was correct. He was correct when he said, The heart is deceitful above all things. It is beyond cure. Who can understand it? There's this reality that we have to grab onto that as fallen creatures, we have a wicked heart that needs to get dealt with. And that's why it's such good news that Jesus came to give us a brand new heart. Right? Through faith in him, he gives us a a new heart that can follow him, that can submit to him. that can submit to his lordship and to submit to his rules. So the first step in dealing with the wickedness that is in our hearts is submitting to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We could end there, but I'm going to go on. So... Uh, so t- we are continuing our series on the things God hates that's found in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. And so we're just going to read through this real quick just to get the context. Solomon says there's six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. And so Solomon, who wrote uh, most of Proverbs, including this passage that we're looking at today, was given great wisdom by the Lord. And so in, the, in this great wisdom, Solomon understood the importance of the heart. And throughout the book of Proverbs, he calls his son to pay special attention to his heart. And so I'm just going to look at another passage in Proverbs and Chapter 3, these first six verses says, My son, don't forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. And so here in these six verses, early on in the book, Solomon uses the word heart three times. And as we look throughout the book, it is used 76 times in the book of Proverbs. In all but, I think it's four or five chapters of Proverbs, 
Solomon or one of the other authors talks about the heart, the importance of the heart. So why would they do that? Why would they keep hammering on this idea of watching your heart and writing wisdom and truth on our hearts, keeping the commands of God, the commands of the wise in our hearts? It's because they know that it is from our hearts that our words and our actions flow. It's from our hearts that actually guide and direct our lives. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from your heart. Eugene Peterson in his message translation says, Your heart, that's where your life starts. And in the New Living Translation, it says, Your heart determines the course of your life. And so understanding the heart is a big deal. Having a pure heart is a big deal. Avoiding wicked hearts is significant because it guides the course of our life. From our heart is where our life starts. Everything that we do flows from it. And so I don't think it is a coincidence where we find uh, the heart in Solomon's uh, proverb here about the things God hates. I broke it down like this. We can see that right smack dab in the middle of these seven things that God hates, the fourth one, there's three before it, there's three after it, that's how the middle works, all right, is a heart that devises wicked schemes, right? And so it's as if he's saying that everything else, all these other things that God hates, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, feet that are quick to rush evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and somebody who stirs up conflict in the community— All of that flows from a wicked heart. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. And so it's the the ancient writers and Solomon's understanding of the heart is a little bit different than our modern interpretation. When you and I talk about the heart, often we're talking about our feelings or our emotions. But in ancient Israel, when they talk about the heart, he's talking about your true self. What is in your heart, what your heart is, that is your true character. Right? The, The heart is the seed of not just our feelings, but our thoughts and our desires and our actions. And we see throughout Scripture that if our heart is good, good things come out. But if our heart is wicked, only wicked things can come out. And Jesus agrees with Solomon, and we're just going to look at a couple passages. In Matthew 12, 33, Jesus is warning us about our hearts and talking about the heart. He says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for the tree is recognized by its fruit. Right? He's not talking about real trees, though that's probably true, I suppose. Right? But he's talking about what's in our heart is going to come out. And then he says this to the Pharisees. He says, you brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so here's the Pharisees, these guys who had given their entire lives 
to obeying the word of God. They had created this oral tradition to help people to understand how to, to practice the law of God every day. They, they are raising up people in, in Israel, calling them to obey the Lord because they're, they realize that, man, when Israel turns away from God, bad stuff happens. So if we all do good enough, then he's going to send the Messiah. He is going to restore Israel to its rightful place. He is going to usher in this, the new age and put to death this old evil age. And then Jerusalem is going to be, or Israel will be in its rightful place, and we will be a blessing to all the nations. Israel is going to judge and rule the nations. Everything is going to be great. Right? And so, but he says to them, what does he say? You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? So these people who'd given their lives to obeying the law of God, Jesus says, you guys are evil. Excuse me? How can that be? It's because their hearts hadn't been transformed. Their hearts were full of wickedness. Just a few verses later in Matthew 15, I'm going to read this, this narrative it's a little bit longer, just 20 verses, so bear with me. I was trying to figure out what parts I could cut out, but the whole thing's good. Matthew 15, starting in chapter 1, says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And this is just a few chapters after he had called these Pharisees a brood of vipers. He's causing a ruckus. And so Jesus replies, why do you break the command of God and forsake your tradition, or for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Then Jesus called the crowd to him, and he said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth doesn't defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this, you think? Yeah, he replied, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. It's intense, Jesus. In 15, Peter said, will you explain this to us? Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. So there's a lot going on here. But basically, in this narrative, Jesus is telling the, the Pharisees that their hearts are far from God. And this would have been difficult for them to get their minds wrapped around because they had given their entire lives to serving God. And so it's not surprising that the disciples came and was like, you were, the, the Pharisees were offended when you said that. And Jesus is like, let them walk into a pit. Jeez. 
But Jesus is bringing to light a reality that can happen to any of us, right? This narrative isn't just here so we can feel better than the Pharisees. He is warning not just them, but each one of us of something dangerous that can happen, right? Because even in their effort to be pleasing to God, to do the right things, they had gotten off track. Their hearts were wicked. And therefore, their thoughts, their feelings, their desires, and their actions had all strayed far from God's heart. They were living out this reality that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? These guys had given their lives to obeying the law of God. And Jesus says, your hearts are so wicked, you guys have strayed completely away from God's heart. And so how long did it take him to get to this point when Jesus confronts them? You know, we don't know. Uh, But at the moment that that Jesus talks to them in this story, right, their wicked hearts had corrupted their passion for God and his law. Jesus tells them, you are so concerned with what you look like to others, right? You're so concerned about this external righteousness, but God looks at the heart. God searches the heart, and he is looking for a heart that will align with his. A heart that yearns for mercy and love and justice. He tells them God is not looking just for right actions. God's not looking just for right actions. If he was, he would have been super happy with the Pharisees. But he's not, right? He is looking for a right heart. He's looking for a pure heart out of which can flow right actions. Right? Jesus certainly isn't against rules and obedience. He calls his followers to a very strict code of ethics. Right? But the question for us shouldn't be you know, trying to figure out this list of rules on either side of the legalism question. Right? How much can I get away with or how much freedom do I have? But the question we need to be asking ourselves is, what is in my heart? What is my heart full of? Is my heart full of love for God and love for others? Is my heart full of humility and self-sacrifice? Or is my heart, and I'm kind of inferring like the heart of the Pharisees, grasping for my own rights, looking for a position of power and authority? Is my heart full of pride in this desire for control. What's in our hearts? And the truth is that if our hearts are full of love for God and love for others, we are going to fulfill the law and the prophets. All right, Paul, when he's writing his letter to the church in Galatia, says this in chapter 5.14, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. That's incredible. You mean we don't have to worry about all the the laws and the commands or all the, the oral tradition that the Pharisees had created? Paul says, if you love your neighbor as you love yourself, you're going to fulfill all that stuff. And so the question is, where is your heart? What is in your heart? And how is that flowing out of your life? And so the question is, well then, what is in our hearts? How do I tell what's in my heart? Is my heart close to God? 
Well, if we look at uh, what Jesus talked to the, the, the disciples about here, in verse 18 he says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. And so we can look, what is coming out of my mouth? When I'm driving down the road, and somebody cuts me off, what's coming out of my mouth? When I am walking down the hallway at, at my work, you know, I just left a meeting with the boss, what's coming out of my mouth? When I'm at Applebee's and the waitress isn't as attentive as I want her to be, what's coming out of my mouth? Right, these show us what's in our heart. Or in verse 19, Jesus says, right from out of the heart come evil thoughts. So what are, not just what's coming out of our mouth, but what's swirling around in our mind as we walk through life? Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These things defile us and reveal what is in our heart. And if that's what's in our heart, it's what's going to come out in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions. Out of the good stored up in our hearts, we bring out good things. Out of the evil stored up in our hearts, we bring out evil things. And so ask yourself... We're asking ourselves a lot of questions today, aren't we? Sorry about that. Ask yourself, what am I bringing into my community? Through my thoughts, my words, and my actions. Am I bringing sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lying, racism, spiritual superiority, selfishness? All these things, according to the Apostle Paul in Colossians 3, are the reason that God's wrath is coming. And all these things are what flows out of an evil, wicked heart. And these things have no place in the new Christian community. Or are we bringing compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience? Are we bearing with one another? Are we forgiving? Are we loving as we pursue perfect unity? These are the characteristics that Paul shows are supposed to be filling the new Christian community, right? This Christian church that is popping up after the resurrection of Jesus, right? These are the characteristics that flow from a pure heart. And so how do we do this? How do we walk this out? If we see that there's wickedness in our hearts, we can tell because, man, I've had some impure thoughts. Right? I've had some impure words coming out of my mouth. I've done some stuff that I'm not very proud of. I still have wickedness in my heart. Well, first, as we mentioned, we have to submit to Jesus to receive a new heart. We can't just try to, to keep the, the legal code and assume that God's going to be pleased with that. No, he wants a pure heart, and he wants to empower us so that we can fulfill the righteousness that he's called us to live. So number one, submit to Jesus. But after that, assuming that we're Christ followers, uh, how do we guard our hearts? And so I have, man, I'm doing so good on time. I should tell some more stories. So how do we guard our hearts? I'm going to just talk about four. This isn't everything. There's more, but these are just four that came to me as I was preparing this message. We watch what we put into our hearts. We look for wise mentors, read the Word of God, and we 
continually get filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? So we, first, we need to watch what we put into our hearts. We need to be discerning about what comes into our hearts and into our minds, into our eyes. Right? We don't want to just let anything in. Right? And we cannot just assume that because we've read the Bible or we're Christians or we know the truth, that the things that we watch, the things that we read, the people that we hang out with, the messages that we hear aren't affecting us because they absolutely are. And so we need to be careful about the, the messages and the ideas that we're allowing into our hearts, especially the things that we consume without even thinking about them. We want to watch out for all the negativity that we put into our hearts, but we don't want to merely just avoid negative things, but we want to pursue good things, right? Paul, in his letter to the, uh, the Philippians, he says, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those kinds of things. Right? And so we want to run after and pursue wisdom and truth and goodness, things that are excellent and praiseworthy. In Proverbs, we see that Solomon doesn't just instruct his sons to fill his heart up. He instructs his son not just to avoid negative things, but to fill his heart up with wisdom. And so in the same way, we want to fill our hearts up with wisdom. And so how are you doing that? How are you filling your heart with wisdom? In your day-to-day -day life, what are you allowing to influence you and to fill your heart? Number two, look for great mentors. Right? This, the, the book of Proverbs was written by a father to his son. Right? And so th this is uh, pursuing wisdom and righteousness isn't just like a kind of a closed off thing that I'm going to do by myself. I'm going to get some wisdom and then I'll come out into the world, right? This is a, a relational thing. And uh, we, a lot of us, you know, that still have our, our parents around with us, we can go to them and we can receive the, the wisdom that they have, right? We can receive, you know, they've been around a little bit longer than we have. They've been around the block a couple times. They've probably learned something. And so we can go to them. Right? We can find the, the, the elders of, of our church. Anybody over elders? That'd be 44 or over. So, um, so uh, 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 what am I? <laughs> we can look for people that are wise, and we can hang out with them. I have this great blessing, right? I get to work for Pastor Cameron. Cameron is full of wisdom, full of love for God, full of discernment. I get to hang out with him, and I try to ask him as many questions as I can. I try to spend as much time with him as I can and just watch how he leads, watch how he pastors, watch how he communicates, watch how he, he deals with issues, right? Because I want to learn all that I can from him, because I recognize that he has so much that would be valuable for me. And I can recognize that, man, I've, I've not gotten there yet. I've got, still got some stuff to learn, and so I'm looking for people who have gone further than me that I can glean from. All right, so look for a mentor. Look for somebody that you can be yourself with, that you can let them know who you are, right? And that you can uh, receive correction from them, right? Who, can, who knows you? Who can speak into your life? Who are you inviting to speak into your life? This is a way that we can guard our hearts. 
and we can grow, uh, our hearts can grow more and more like the Father's. All right, mentors, that's a good one. Number three, read the Word of God. Right? There is no substitute for spending time in God's Word, submitting to it, allowing it to have authority in our lives, saying, you know what, this is truth. I'm going to submit myself to this truth. I'm going to allow the truth of the Word of God to transform me, to transform my heart, and therefore transform my words and my thoughts and my desires and my actions. So how are you engaging with God's Word on a daily basis? How are you letting that transform your heart? And fourth, we're, we need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, how do you, how do you do that in your life? How are you empowered to live the life that God has called you to live? And there's tons of ways to do this, whatever is, works for you. You can do it, you know, in, in worship or in, you know, soaking, uh, reading the word, fasting, walking in the woods, whatever it is. But you have to find a way that you can connect with God and allow him to, to flood you with this resurrection power that, again, will transform you more and more into his image. You know, as you just spend time with God as you're filled with the Holy Spirit, your heart will be conformed to, to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. And so how do you get continually filled with the Holy Spirit? you got to find a way. And if you have a question about any of these things, you should find a mentor. They can help you. That's number two, the mentor. Anyway, so as I've said, our heart is our true character. Right? Our, it's, it's the seat of our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, our desires, our actions. And if our heart is corrupt, all right, so are our thoughts, feelings, actions, and desires. Have I beat that into the ground yet? You get it? Okay, and we can see what's in our hearts by what comes out of our mouth, what swirls around in our minds, and the actions that we find our hands and feet rushing towards. So we need that. And the good news is that Jesus, when we were his enemies, when we had completely wicked and corrupt hearts, when we were shaking our fist in rebellion against him, he chose to come humbly as a man to, to go to the cross to take the penalty of sin that we deserve so that we could be restored into right relationship with God so that we could be given new hearts. He died and rose again so that he could remove our heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh so that we could submit and follow Jesus, so that we could follow and know the Father, so that we can know that we've been adopted, that we are the sons and daughters of the King, that we have this eternal hope in Jesus. And so today, ask yourself these questions. You know, what's in my heart? Do I have a mentor? Am I spending time in the Word? How am I getting filled with the Holy Spirit? But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you want to start a relationship with Him, you want a new heart that can, that can submit to Him and know Him and be filled with these good things, the good characteristics of the kingdom, I just invite you just to pray this prayer with me. So would everybody stand up? We're closing now. We're so early. Is that good? Sure. Nobody ever complains when the sermon ends quick. <laughs> so if you, uh, if you want to give your life to the Lord this morning, if you want a new heart, just pray this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. 
I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, we want to welcome you to the family of God. We have a prayer team or myself. We would love to to talk to you and help you take the first steps in following Jesus with your life. But uh, with that, we're done. Is that a good closing? Uh, on my right, we have a prayer team. They would love to pray with you for any needs that you have. On my left, there's a Rama ministry team of people who have been trained to hear God's voice, to speak words of love and encouragement into your life. They minister to the first couple of people.